0: Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans and Jeff Shade, a show that simplifies the complexities of investments, taxes, retirement, and more, so you can discover how to better sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Brian is a CPA with 30 years experience and a financial advisor, which brings a unique perspective to the financial world. This show is brought to you by Madrona Financial and CPAs, home of the Rooted Wealth Plan. Want a retirement plan designed to last 30 plus years? Go to madronafinancial.com and click Get Started to see what the Rooted Wealth Plan can do for you. And now, here are your hosts, Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. Thank you so much.
1: Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name is Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm
2: doing great. Thanks, Jeff.
1: Always glad to hear that. hope our listeners are doing well today, too. And uh, tax season in full swing, Brian, and I'm sure the accountants there at Madrona CPAs are working their little fingers to the bone, and they've been working Saturdays, six days a week, to make sure that they get everything done. But even with their best efforts, Brian, I mean, there's a lot to be done. And I would say that if you have not gotten your information into your tax preparer by this time, wouldn't you say that it
2: is too late? I would have told you that two weeks ago, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's okay to extend your return. Now, a lot of people go, well, okay. I don't want to extend it. You know, I'm going to get in trouble if I do that. But that's not true. A lot of people extend their returns, and that's why. They give you an extension period, so you don't have to get them filed by uh, April 15th, as long as you get a proper extension and get that in by October 15th, you're fine.
1: Right, and I know the people at Madrona do that for you, and if Madrona Financial and CPAs is not your accountant, just let your accountant know that you want to file that extension, and you can also do it yourself, can't you, Brian?
2: Oh, yeah, you can do it yourself. Now, the one caveat is it does not extend your time to pay what you think you owe. And you go, well, I don't know how much I owe. I'm like, yep. (laughs) That's what our CPAs are working on a lot in April is all the extensions, because it's not just the five minutes it takes to fill out the form. It's the hour or two it might take to kind of do the tax return with what we do know, figure out how much is potentially owed, make sure the client knows that and is able to send that money in, and then later do the return and figure out whether you uh, overestimated or underestimated, get a refund or pay a little extra tax. Uh, But you'll also pay some interest and penalties if you didn't guess high enough.
1: Yeah, and for those people who are W-2 employees, they work for an employer. I mean, many times they do get a refund if they have the proper withholding done there. But as you said, there are other people who do have to pay taxes. And if you're self-employed and you're filing that extension, I mean, you pay quarterly taxes. If you don't know exactly how much you should send into the IRS, do you just go with last year's quarterly estimated payments? I mean, how do you figure how much you should be sending into the IRS if you haven't done your return yet?
2: Well, a lot of people know kind of where they're at. I mean, they know compared to last year, uh, it's a good starting point. But whether there's been any changes, you might have sold something and paid the tax, and you owe the tax on it. Maybe you sold a rental house and you didn't do a 1031 exchange. Well, now you got to do a what if. Kind of estimate. One of the problems we have though is is outside partnerships or S Corps. uh, Sometimes we don't get them for a long time. So it's like, well, I want to file my return on time, but I don't get my K1s until the summer or the fall even. And it's like, well, do we know kind of how they did last year and the year before? Can we kind of guesstimate? Mm-hmm. Do you know of any major changes? So, you know, for the most part, we can get pretty close uh, most of the time. We have an idea, but sometimes it's a little bit more work. You know, certainly if our client just had a W-2, we we can do that very easily. And they're not going to be extended because that's a pretty easy return. Right. But that's not our, our clients. You know, it's usually the, the S-Corps K-1s, rental schedules, sales of properties properties during the prior year, that kind of thing that that generate uh, a lot more of the work to figure out uh, how much they owe. And Brian,
1: I know a lot of people are listening to the program. They've listened to us for weeks and they say, well, you guys talk about taxes a lot, but taxes is so, so important when it comes to your financial portfolio. And again, I can't talk to a lot of other advisors about taxes because they're not CPAs like you are, Brian. So we really appreciate the input on taxes. And that's how I want to start things off today, Brian, is Biden's tax proposal. I understand that he has put together a tax proposal that maybe a lot of people are not happy with. Can you expand on that?
2: Yeah, uh, the Biden tax proposal is uh, I'm going to focus on capital gains right now. And I've always thought capital gains is a tax on inflation for a big part of it. So for instance, uh, let's say that you bought a rental house a bunch of years ago for $100,000 in Kirkland, Washington, say. Mm -hmm. And now that rental house is worth a million on paper. When you sell that, a lot of that is just because well it was 40 years ago 100,000 was worth what a million is today and the house is still the house it's just 40 years older did i really have an economic gain i I had a little three-bedroom house. I still have a little three-bedroom house. Well, you did have a gain on paper, but a lot of that was just inflation. So maybe that 100000 is, again, equivalent to a million today and you sell it for a million. And so the tax code gives you some a lower rate. And so that's the capital gains rate because mm-hmm. they recognizes that a couple things. The tax code is meant to promote investing, long-term investing. So if you know you're a long-term investor and you're going to to hang on to something for a while, you know that inflation is going to eat up a lot of that value and it's going to go up on paper. You're going to owe some tax, but at least it's going to be not at an onerous rate relative to the inflationary aspect of that and kind of the reward for investing long term. So that's what it's been like forever. We've always had a a lower cap rate, but now President Biden wants to eliminate that.
1: That's interesting, Brian. Well, as you said, this does take away the incentive to invest for the long term. Are there other serious ripples effects that could come out of this?
2: Yeah, I mean, the proposal right now, when people think capital gains, generally they think 15%. Mm-hmm. Because then whenever you Google it, what's capital gains rate? 15%. Oh, well, why are you complaining, Brian? That doesn't seem very much. Well, under the new tax proposal, and we'll throw on there now, if it's sale of stock and the state of Washington, Jay Inslee got this through, the the new Washington capital gains tax. So let's revisit the 15% tax on capital gains because if President Biden gets his way and Jay Inslee got his way already, Mm -hmm. now we're looking at it's not 15%. You might have seen 20%. And you go, oh, okay, if it's above a certain amount, it's 20%. Well, actually, it's 23.8% right now. But the proposal is to do away with all of those brackets and make the new bracket, the highest tax bracket, 39%, 396 actually, and then add another 38 Medicare tax so that the federal tax rate on capital gains, if President Biden gets his way, will be 43.4%. Wow, wow. wow. Oh, but wait, but Jeff. Wait, there's, there's more. more. Yeah. <laughs> we made this sale of stock in the state of Washington, and Jay Hensley said, I want my cut too. Oh my God. And now <laughs> we're looking at 50.4%. It's wow. incredible. These, yeah if they get their way. Oh, my God. 50.4. So the gain on the sale of your long-term investment you held uh, for a long period of time, it's sale of stock, say, your business. We'll just call it your business. So you built your business. You worked weekends. You worked Saturdays during taxis. You, you worked all these long hours. You you took on all the stress. You you mortgaged your house when you're, you didn't have enough money for payroll. You kicked and clawed uh, through recessions, through 2008, through oh, yeah. dot-coms, through all this stuff. You employed all these people. People, and your reward is when you sell it someday, more than half goes to the federal and the state governments and less than half goes to you hmm. under these proposals. Now, I don't know. Uh, I keep hearing that the rich don't pay their fair share and all that stuff. And no one will ever debate me on that because no one ever wants to say what that is. Right. But I think most reasonable people think that for instance on the sale of your business that you ought to get more than half oh yeah but that is not the proposal the proposal is you get less than half if all this goes through now luckily there's there's a congress in there that's not going to go along with this but this is the campaign strategy that we're going to hear about that the whole tax the rich tax the rich and frankly that gets a lot of support because as i've said on this show if somebody comes to you and said are are you for a new tax well that depends depends on what is it going to be on me or someone else (laughs) yeah well (laughs) it's someone else uh oh Okay, I'm for that one. Yeah, sure. Well, do you want to hear about the proposal or, or what the <laughs> ramifications might be, or how things might? No, I don't really need to because it's on someone else, right? Kind of busy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, no, I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. So that and that's just I, that's common sense. Yeah. Uh, that people would be for that. There's more people that won't be paying this tax than there are that will be mm-hmm. a substantial amount more. So a lot of people would vote for that because well, it's on someone else for now. Yeah. And we, I want to talk. Talk about the for now part yeah. uh next.
1: Yeah, because I was gonna say, I mean, for now it's on these people, but once a new tax is in place, is it ever left where it is? I would think it's gonna
2: trickle down to affect all of us. Well, let's go back in history and think about that. Okay. Uh, Nineteen thirteen we'd had our first form ten forty. Mm-hmm. Before that we didn't have that. It was just tariffs and, and that kind of thing, fees and tariffs. And then we had income tax at one percent. Has that gone up? Uh, Have you ever seen a tax yeah. where, where the politicians go, you know? I think we should tax people less. I think we ought to lower rates. <laughs> do away with taxes. Oh, my gosh, we get tax on everything. You, you get up out of bed, you go to your car, and how many taxes are, are you know on the gas or oh, yeah. on the tires or the, the sales tax to buy it or, or whatever, yeah. and the roads and, and the tolls. and I mean, like, we, there's tax on everything. Oh, okay, so the point is that once a new tax is put out there, it doesn't go backwards. They continue. And you know, once in a while, you get a reset. Set Ronald Reagan had a reset. We mm-hmm. we had uh, really high tax rates under previous administrations, and they got lowered. But you know, of course, they're creeping back up. But the point is on the on the capital gains tax is that there's a reason for that. You know, there's some ramifications to taking away incentive to do long term investing. There's ramifications to taking away incentives to grow your business long-term and have something and employ people and take risks. When you start taking away those incentives, the world changes. And what I mean by the world changes is people stop doing that stuff. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, what's the point? I don't have the incentive to work hard like I used to, or or to take gambles or to invest long-term. We're all going to be Gordon Gecko out there. (laughs) I'm going to buy the business and six months, I'm going to rip it apart. I'm going to sell off the pieces. I'm going to fire everybody. I'm going to make a (laughs) chunk of money because I don't care about keeping anything long-term. Yeah. Because there's no one, there's a disincentive to keep things long-term. Uh, in fact, the disincentive again, now in the state of Washington is such that people that ordinary income from wages will be taxed less than somebody building a business to sell it because there's no capital gains tax on top of your wages in the state of Washington. So the enemy of the state, <laughs> essentially, has become <laughs> the person that builds their business up. That is so and, bad. And sells it someday. Yeah, that's
1: yeah. so bad. They
2: are now the enemy, yeah. and that's all I can see. Uh, the crosshairs are on. The those folks. And last time I checked, small businesses create most of our jobs. Absolutely. So when you make them the enemy of the right, state, right. just my opinion here, you're going to see an exodus. You're right. going to see things change. There's going to be a lot of ramifications, and it's not going to be good for the economy.
1: Yeah, and that's something I think a lot of people don't realize is that Microsoft and Amazon and Boeing, they're not the largest employers. It's actually small businesses, and that holds true all across the country, and I think if I were starting a business or thinking about starting a business, I may think twice about starting my business in Washington State. We're talking with Brian Evans. Our show, of course, is called Growing Your Wealth. Glad you could join us again this week. We're talking about President Biden's tax proposal. Brian, of course, is the CEO, president of Madrona Financial Services and CPAs right here in Washington. And by the way, if you're wondering how deep your financial roots are and whether they are deep enough to sustain your quality of life and your retirement that you went for 30 plus years, all you've got to do is go to madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button to get your rooted wealth analysis. Very simple there. You'll just answer a couple of questions. Then you'll be connected with an advisor who'll take about 15 minutes and they will go over what your results are to find out whether your financial roots are too shallow and maybe offer some suggestions so that you can deepen those financial roots, again, to sustain you for a retirement that could last 30 years. And don't be worried about being sold a product or you know hard-sold anything because none of that is going to happen in this initial consultation. At any point in time, you have the opportunity to say no thank you. Again, we here at Madrona Financial feel so confident about what we do. There are plenty of people who do want to work with us, and if you decide that you do not want to work with us, that's fine too. We're okay with the word no. Once again, go to madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button for your rooted wealth analysis. Brian, before we get back to the show, I always have these fun facts, and this one was an interesting one because it's right in our own backyard. Silence is golden, it says here, as they say, and while they may not be worth quite as much as jewels and gold to most people, it certainly was the primary gold for those who built the quietest room in the world. And that quietest room in the world, Brian, is right here at Microsoft's headquarters in Redmond, Washington. This is a lab room that measures a background noise of minus 20.35 decibels, which is 20 decibels below the threshold of human hearing, and it breaks the previous records for spaces that were deemed the quietest on the planet i understand that when you go in this room brian that you can't last very long in there because you can hear yourself breathing it's enormously loud you can also hear your neck turning and so forth the quietest room in the world is at microsoft can you imagine that sort
2: of quiet brian um, I kind of can. I, I've been working in accounting offices my whole life. So yeah, you know, you'll be sitting there working on a on a Saturday and you go, who dropped that pin? Exactly. You know, I, I heard that. Bob, is that you? Yeah, across,
1: across uh, Bob Bowery. He's on another floor. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we have become so conditioned, those of us who live in the city or we live in the suburbs all around us. People don't realize the things that you hear out there. It can be car horns way off in the distance. It can be motorcycles. It can be any number of of things, birds tweeting and so forth. So, yeah, silence is golden, but also silence can be deafening. I don't know if they run tours of these things, but I think somebody should check this out. It is the Microsoft headquarters in Redmond. It is the quietest place on the planet. It does hold the world's record. Brian, let's get back to more of these uh, tax proposals from President Biden. Brian, I also understand that this applies to the Medicare tax.
2: Yeah, so again, uh, once we have a tax, I, I get why we had it in the first place. But often when we have a tax and it's like, oh, if that was good up to, say, $60,000 of wages, uh, why don't we make it a hundred or one hundred twenty or $400,000 of wages? Oh, well, let's start taxing Medicare on capital gains. Why don't we start taxing Medicare on everything on your tax return? Oh my God. So that's what the proposal yeah. is, is basically to tax any kind of income from any source whatsoever percent medicare tax on everything to balance that out so that that is one of the new proposals too
1: so previous to this brian before this new medicare tax was proposed you weren't taxed on everything were you
2: that's correct. A uh, Medicare tax was on wages. Right. And it used to be tax just on your uh, wages that were subject to Social Security tax. Okay. Well, then they they went, you know, we're going to make this unlimited. Any wages. It doesn't matter how much they are. We're going to tax on that. And then again, they started doing capital gains. And now they want to do businesses income. They want to do everything, essentially. Not interest that I'm aware of, but most of the rest of a tax return now is kind of under the crosshairs of Biden's proposed changes is to max out all the different sources where Medicare tax can be uh, charged to somebody.
1: So it occurs to me that people selling a piece of property or something like that, as you said, interest is not subject to this. But any time you have a capital gains, that could increase your Medicare tax. You know, they're really looking at every nook and
2: cranny and corner, aren't they, Brian? Well, they are, but we're still smarter than them. Because if you are selling a property in your example and you wanted to not have to be a landlord, you can do a 1031 exchange still. Oh, by the way. By the way, I was going to say. By the way. The 1031 exchange. My,
1: is that safe
2: or what? Yeah. Nope. Uh, President Biden um, wants to eliminate 1031 exchanges. So no. if you're uh, somebody that's put your sweat equity into your rental properties your whole life and you're getting to an age where you can't do it anymore, but you still want to own property, well, you got a couple choices. You can hang on to the one you have and drive you and your spouse crazy because it's hard to maintain and you're not able to do it in your later years. Or you can currently mm-hmm. sell it and exchange it into a more appropriate kind of property like a Delaware, statue. A trust, where you don't have to be doing the maintenance on it or the property management. You still own real estate, but you didn't have to subject yourself to the tax. You're just changing the, the kind of real estate you're owning to make it more appropriate for where you're at in your life. So that was a wonderful thing. I uh, really encourage people to invest long-term into real estate, etc. and it gives them a, a way to maintain their lifestyle. That is on the chopping block to where you no longer can do 1031 exchanges. So uh, you're going to have a lot of old people. That are hanging on to properties Until the day they die Through their last years Maybe they have dementia Maybe they have other health problems but they'll be the landlord as they're in their nursing home mm-hmm. because they didn't want to, they weren't allowed to do the 1031 exchange into a more appropriate kind of real estate. So it's one of the byproducts of, hey, let's just nail people for more taxes. Taxes on inflation, taxes on <laughs> we'll Medicare taxes, we'll get our 43 plus percent to the federal government every time you sell something. You know, that's on the chopping block too. So, that, that, yes, there are things we can do, but boy, they're, they're very very active about taking away all incentives for you know I I think on my last show I was talking about you know, I am a capitalist. I think that right. money in the hands of job creators is always a good thing, or investors, and yeah. that's why the United States is where it, where it is, whereas the rest of the world wants to take that money away, mm-hmm. and you can see what happens with that. You know, oh, you yeah. look at other countries, where well, they take the money away from people that were creating jobs, and now they don't have any economy left. Well, that's kind of a natural progression of things, but we're, we're well on our way with that uh, with some of the proposals I'm reading. Brian,
1: correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just thinking out loud here that it appears to be that some of these taxes, I mean, some of these changes here really is totally opposite the fundamental way that people have grown their wealth, made their wealth. They've worked hard all these years. It's really trying to change the fundamentals of the way that America's been operating for many, 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 many years. And I'm not sure it's in the right direction.
2: Yeah. I mean, one of the things I think about as a business owner is if I see that we're going to have $100,000 of profit come in, I don't think about the next shiny Toilet, I'm going to buy this gold plated. I'm going to put in for $100,000 in my house. I think about, oh, now we can hire another employee in maybe a new office or expand or, or do something that will create a job. That's what an entrepreneur does. They're wired that way is to think about how they can take that money, grow their business and create jobs. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just personally, I, you know, was the second employee at my firm, became an owner, and now there's 35 people. Yep. That have good paying jobs yes. uh, at, at our firm, and and that that was a lot of risk on my part, on Bob Bauer's part back in the day, and you know we took that risk, and now, you know that all of this is counter to that. Now it's like saying, well, you know that hundred thousand you were going to have, we need it, we're going to tax you on it, mm-hmm. and you can't hire that person, and you can't grow that business into hiring more people later. I'm like, wow, okay. Well, I guess that's government's prerogative, but it will have some long-term effects that are negative capitalism, negative investment, negative employment, negative to everything that has helped this country grow. So yeah, it can definitely have some uh, big negative attributes down the road. Not in the the short term. Short term, it looks great on paper and they'll be out of office and all these people proposing all this by the time the the negative stuff comes uh, from that.
1: Brian, we've been talking about all the problems here with the Biden tax proposals, but in the history of Madrona Financial, it occurs to me that no matter what has been thrown your way, no matter how many curveballs have been thrown your way, Madrona has always adapted and come up with a strategy so that your clients are doing the best that they can do.
2: Yeah, and I think isn't that what you want from your financial advisor? Yeah. But it's hard to find that. You know that that's our superpower basically. Is that mm-hmm. that is what we we focus on too? Not just your investments, but your investments relative to tax law changes, what's available, what's coming down the pike, estate planning, charitable gifting, legacy planning, all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm thinking of you know now one of the asset classes that's becoming more popular is life insurance as an asset class because life insurance is income. Tax free, you know, we still have ten thirty one exchanges, and we it's been around over a hundred years. Hopefully, it's not going away. We have the Delaware statutory trust. We we have opportunity zone investing. We have all kinds of you know planning for the step up in basis, how we can get that to your your heirs, your spouse, and your heirs to where they won't be paying excessive income taxes, uh, marginal tax rate planning, all all of this stuff that you would hope that your CPA working with your financial advisor could do in unison. I have not seen that very. Often. Often out there, except you know, at our, at our firm, uh, with is the exception where we're both we're both a CPA firm and a financial advisory firm that, that gets the integration of the two. So I think you're you're absolutely right. I don't know how anybody goes through a financial advisor gets through a meeting without talking taxes, well, yeah. income, estate, capital gains, of course. all of this stuff. But they do because <laughs> they can't talk taxes unless yeah. they're a CPA. So so I I, uh, I guess I won't have to worry about that. Uh, we we do talk about all that. stuff.
1: Yeah, you talk taxes there at Madrona Financial. Our program is called Growing Your Wealth, and we're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs right here in Seattle. And once again, we've got a great book out here. It's called The Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. If you'd like to snag a copy of that today, you can do it by texting radio to 833-673-7373. Again, put radio in the subject line. You can download the book instantly. Again, it's radio to 833-673-7373. If you'd like a hard copy, just tell us you want that. Put your name and address, of course, in there, and we'll be happy to send you out that by text at 833-673-7373. Also, if you've got an idea for the show, a topic you'd like us to talk about, or you've got a question, again, include that by texting 833-673-7373, or you can email us if you'd like at plan at madronafinancial.com. That's plan at madronafinancial.com.
0: Want more strategies that can help support the quality of life you want for 30 plus years well stick around we'll be right back with more growing your wealth Time for today's edition of Growing Your Wealth, presented by Madrona Financial. Here's Brian Evans. I'm asked a lot, what is the perfect portfolio? Perfect is different for everybody.
2: There is no perfect portfolio because we don't know what the future holds. But I can tell you, it's kind of a neat thought to think about, what if I had a portfolio that had an allocation to a stock market, because I believe the stock market can be good, but I don't want too much in it. So I had an allocation to a fixed index annuity that had a zero floor, meaning I can. Never never lose money in a given year contractually and it has a increase equal to a percentage of the gains of the market. How about another one that pays me for life and has an increasing potential payout for the rest of my life and can never run out. What if I had some in real estate? Real estate's been very good for a long time as long as it was passive and I didn't have to be the landlord. What if I had some in a Medicare strategy where I put some money aside that basically covered my Medicare parts B and part D and plan F for the rest of my life. What if I had some- some long-term care that had an increasing payout if I needed it for a long time. And if I never used it, my heirs would get their original cash back. And what if I had some money in a universal life policy where I could take a cash flow annually or monthly for most of my retirement and have all of the gains be tax-free? So now I've I've thrown out some concepts that says, wow, cash flow, growth, security, liquidity, longevity, uh, medical expenses, long-term care taken care of. Sounds pretty neat. So this is kind of the starting point for deciphering how
0: you can build your own perfect portfolio. And that was Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, Madrona Financial, Investments, Retirement, Taxes and Legacy. MadronaFinancial.com.
1: Even the mightiest of trees can be blown over if they don't have strong enough roots. The same is true with your investment plan. Can your plan withstand a financial storm? Go to MadronaFinancial.com and click on the Get Started button to request your rooted wealth analysis. You can also click on the chat button and ask us anything. We have a searchable library with answers to your questions. Visit MadronaFinancial. Are you excited or nervous about your retirement? Are you able to sustain yourself and your wealth for 30-plus years? Are you prepared for the challenges retirement brings? Madrona Financial and CPAs has the knowledge and tools you need to have a more predictable retirement. From advanced tax planning to alternative investing, Madrona covers a wide variety of options so you can get the right plan with the right investments for your retirement. Start your conversation by calling 844-MADRONA or visit MadronaFinancial.com.
0: Do you ever worry if your CPA and financial advisor are on the same page? You won't have to if you call Madrona Financial and CPAs at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now back to more Growing Your Wealth. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial
2: and CPAs. In this segment, we'll be talking about the banking industry and about diversification.
1: And Brian, of course, it's no secret that the banking industry is having a little bit of trouble lately, but I want to distinguish between the entire banking industry and the banks that we've heard about, such as uh, Silicon Valley Bank. And also, what do we have? Deutsche Bank. And we had Credit Suisse. Silicon Valley is an American bank, but the other two are not American banks. So do we really have anything to worry about if we're not with one of those banks and we're with, i would say, you know, just an institutional bank here in the United States?
2: Well, I don't, I don't know if the term worry is the right, the right word, but certainly there's always concern when it comes to investing. And you got to kind of stay on top of it or or your financial advisor does. And so when I look at the banking situation, um, there's certainly a lot of banks that have made some errors some mistakes on how, you know, you think about when rates were super low, the lowest they've ever been, they were making tons of loans. The real estate market was going crazy. Right, the People were locking up and refinancing into 2 and 3% mortgages. And now those banks are stuck with all those. And at the same time, they got a lot of money on deposit. And a lot of these banks, and what happened to Silicon Valley Bank, they took a lot of that money and said, you know, we're going to buy these terrible low interest rate, long-term treasuries I won't say terrible, but they were terrible in retrospect because if you lock up your money for a long time at a low interest rate and interest rates go up, which they did, then you lose a ton of money if you try and sell that asset because you've got to sell it at a huge discount. So they, they kind of put themselves in a bit of a pickle by locking up their deposit assets into investments that lost a lot of money. And on the flip side, their asset, the money they lent out, is guaranteed at a very, very low rate for a long time on their receipts. So there's kind of the the worst of both worlds. And uh, that's kind of what what took Silicon Valley Bank under.
1: And Brian, those fans of the financial shows on TV, and I think about Jim Cramer, who gives the financial advice, or actually, he's an entertainer. I don't know if he's licensed to give financial advice, but he does it on TV. But he also entertains at the same time, about a month before SVB fell, i mean. mean he was recommending this as a buy is it really on jim kramer
2: well you're right he is an entertainer he's not licensed to give financial advice that's why he's able to give his opinion right and not have back it up because you as a financial advisor you're not allowed to say you ought to buy this or you need to buy that because i don't know you yet i have a duty by law to know my clients And to give advice, I'm actually held a fiduciary standard in their best interest. And you can't do that if you don't know them. Well, Kramer doesn't know who's listening to his show. So he's not licensed. And people think he is. And it's not just Kramer. It's kind of the the thing that jumped out at me is anybody that has an advertisement running or is on the TV. And I was listening to one one show and this person said, the market's going to crash in the next 60 days. It's going to be down 40%. Wow. I'm like, wow. Not <laughs> There's a chance it could be down 40% or it's possible or our research indicates or anything. It was just it is going to be down. He's going to be wrong. And they won't bring him back to say, oh, by the way, you are completely wrong. You lied to everybody. You know, you stated it like it was a fact. So I I think that that's what really jumps out at me is, for instance, you're, you know, the market's going to crash. You need to buy gold. Well, No, you sell gold for a living. So you always say, it reminds me of a story. I was at a seminar training kind of thing with financial advisors. Mm -hmm. And this one financial advisor was, all he did was sell annuities. And he says, I've had a radio show going in North Carolina for 25 years. And for 25 years, my job every week is to get on that show and try and put fear into my listeners ears that the market's going to crash. So I've been saying for 20 and he was kind of chuckling about it. And I just thought this guy was just a terrible excuse for an advisor. (laughs) But he said that was my job for 25 years is to say the market's going to crash didn't matter whether I thought it was or not that was my job because I sell annuities and it works mm. and he was telling me you got to do this too it works and then he, he chuckled again I just want to get up there and, and not be nice to him but okay. uh, I think I just <laughs> left the room I got up and walked out because yeah. you know he's making this point and the last thing he said before I walked out was and you know what I was actually right a couple times <laughs>
1: <laughs> a couple of times in in how many couple, years
2: yeah 25 years 25 I was right Okay, in uh, two thousand, I was I was right in two thousand eight, yep. and he would have been right uh, last year. So, mm-hmm. okay, wow, that's that's super. So, when people are making statements, statements of fact that this is going to happen, nobody knows. Okay, if anybody knew that. Warren Buffett doesn't know what the market's going to be next year. No. Uh, Bill Gates doesn't know. Albert Einstein wouldn't know. Nobody knows. And so you have to be careful about how ideas are being presented. So, for instance, on this show, we always talk about benefits and detriments to every investment and we're required to by the SEC. I don't know that that's happening elsewhere all the time, but there are always benefits and there are always detriments. There's nothing that says, "Boy, if you invest in gold, you'll be you'll be this or you'll be that or or uh, and that's what I hear other people doing." So Kramer was guilty of that. Mm-hmm. He made a statement of fact that this is a good buy. You need to buy this stock. And well, he didn't know what their long-term balance sheet looked like, what their asset base was, what all that stuff. He didn't do that kind of research. And even if he had, who knows what conclusion would have happened. But be careful if you're getting advice that is so definitive that and arrogant in this case that uh, they're passing along as fact.
1: So anytime anyone says, I know that this is going to happen, I think you should be wary of those. We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and uh, CPAs. We're talking about some of the pundits on TV. Brian, there are a lot of shows out there. There's Squawk Box on CNBC, any number of financial shows, unlike Fox News and so forth. Are they really just reporting what's going on and leaving you to decide what to do? Or does opinion slip in there once in a while? And if it does, should you take that with a grain of salt?
2: Well, I absolutely take it with a grain of salt because it's mostly opinions and it, and it's supposed to be juicy opinions, you know, otherwise it's boring. Uh, when I used to do CNBC Closing Bill, the producer would say, you know, make it interesting, make it exciting. And I, I remember asking once, how about factual? He said, nah, I don't care about that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this, is, this is an entertainment show. I'm like, OK, fair enough. Right. So I tried to spice it up a little bit. But uh, I, I did want to get back to when people say, you know, things are going to happen. The only the only. Source I, I really tongue in cheek here, really trust is the old Star Trek episodes. Oh, so basically, I mean, they came up with the cell phone, with the microwave, they did, they with, did yeah. Voice command com- computers. I mean, they the only thing that they're not accurate on so far mm-hmm. is the transporter. I don't, I don't think we've got the transporter thing down, but I think not everything likewise, else yeah. in their show has actually happened.
1: Yeah, and I can think of one other time when the future was foretold, and I believe you were at a Colorado Rockies game too, and you removed mark to maybe the owner of the club watch this next batter is going to hit a home run and they did
2: yeah i remember that one uh i was in the owner's box there and um <laughs> the other team had a rookie pitcher he uh walked the first three batters he had a three and zero count to larry walker who's left-handed and the pitcher's right-handed and we were at mile high stadium where the air is thin everything like well this guy knows if he throws a ball that he's out and he's going back <laughs> to the minor league so he's at least going to try and sneak a fastball down the middle by larry walker and Walker has nothing to do with that. So I saw that count, and I turned to the owner's uh, wife there, and I said, oh, this one's out of the park, sure enough. He, <laughs> he blasted so far in the right field seats. She just looked at me like, how did you, you know, know that? that? Yeah, So I watched a little baseball my time. I kind of knew oh, what oh, had yeah. to happen. So, yeah, I did predict the future properly on that. Yeah, end. well, you had
1: a lot of good information there, and, of course, your dad is a Hall of Fame baseball coach, and so you grew up really understanding the game. We got off on sports here a little bit. But it is an analogy that nobody really knows the future when it comes to financial investing. And that brings me back to the way that you do work at Madrona Financial. The problem is that people sometimes do believe what they see on TV. You've got strategies and solutions really to treat each investor as an individual. When someone comes in and says to you, hey, I saw Kramer say this or I saw this on Spockbox or whatever it happens to be your closing bell. How do you respond to that?
2: Well, I think so. the one thing that I noticed from all of that is we're kind of dumbing it down to where people think they only have one thing to invest in. So it's the stock market. And so I'm looking at it going, well, that's one thing you can invest in, and that can be a good thing long term. And maybe they'll talk about the bond market, although bonds don't make good TV. So even though the bond market is the biggest investment class in the world, bigger than the stock market, how much time do they spend on Kramer or CNBC (laughs) Closing Bell talking about the exciting world of the bond market? Not much, not a whole lot. And so there are a lot of asset classes out there, whether they're uh, CDs that pay a decent amount these days or fixed annuities or fixed index annuities that give you no risk of appreciation for accumulation, uh, fixed index annuities for guaranteed lifetime cash flow, universal life for uh, tax-free cash flow and retirement, uh, premium finance, uh, universal life, uh, long-term care, uh, structured notes, Delaware statutory trust, opportunity zones, buffered ETFs, interval funds, private equity. Mm-hmm. All these different areas of the investment world are diversification opportunities outside of the stock market. So, What the problem I think people had last year, oh, I know they had, uh, especially in their 401k plans, is they had stocks and bonds to pick from. And I just listed off a laundry list of things to someone could invest in. Those aren't in the 401k options, okay? And so if you just had stocks and bonds, they both dropped 15 to 20%. Guess what? You dropped 15 to 20% minus the fees. It costs to drop that much. So that was a problem last year was lack of diversification options in 401k plans for sure. But certainly with many stockbrokers or annuity salespeople that limit themselves to one or the other or both, then uh, you didn't have a diversification play. And so diversification is way more than just buying, oh, I have Apple, Microsoft, Google and Intel. I'm diversified. That's (laughs) that's not diversification (laughs) to me.
1: Yeah. And I was going to say the same thing, too. I mean, they've got Ford and Chevrolet and Chrysler. I mean, they've got different automobile companies, but uh, nevertheless, they're still automobile companies or in your previous example, they're still computer companies, too. There's a lot more to being diversified than a lot of people think. So how do you describe diversification? How do you diversify someone's portfolio?
2: Yeah, so anymore, the discussion is more about where do they want to be in five years, in 10 years, and what do you want that to look like? Because a lot of people just assume, well, I want my my accounts to go up. Well, okay, if that's the case, then... Uh, a year and a half ago you're having this discussion with your advisor and they put you mostly in the nasdaq because it's done the best it's all stocks it's mostly tech stocks and then you would proceed to lose over 30 percent that next year okay that does not sound like growing your portfolio but that's what you would have done if that's your only objective now most of the people i'm talking to that is not their primary objective anymore it used to be and i'll ask them do you have enough assets to have a retirement you want to have and after doing a financial plan we we agree well Yes. If I don't screw it up, I say, okay, what's your real focus now? It's almost generally lifestyle, which to me, lifestyle means is equivalent of cash flow. Mm-hmm. It's about having enough cash flow to have the lifestyle I want. Okay. How about security? Yes. I would like to not be so at risk that I could screw this up. So security is more important than growth. I did the growth thing. I need lifestyle and I need security more than I need growth. I still want growth. And a portion of my assets should be chasing growth, but that portion shouldn't be 100%. It should be whatever it is, 30%, 40 20 50 whatever it is for that person. So defining who that person wants to be in five years, what kind of risk profile they want associated, what kind of cash flow they, they need to, to live the life they want to lead. These are more important than just defining how do I get the max risk and potential potential growth Mm -hmm. out of a stock market portfolio.
1: We're talking with Brian Evans of Adrona Financial and CPAs. We're talking about diversification, true diversification in your portfolio. And we want to continue this conversation in just a moment. We hope you'll stay with us. Does this sound familiar? If you ever asked yourself the questions, I'm not sure how I can retire comfortably. I'm stuck because I don't want to pay the big tax bill. The market negatively affects my mood. I don't know the right questions to ask. Well, if you have answered yes to any of of those questions or statements, then our Rooted Wealth Plan may be for you. What is the Rooted Wealth Plan? Well, we call it the Rooted Wealth Analysis. You simply go to madronafinancial.com and you can click on the Get Started button there to get started with your Rooted Wealth Analysis and start your journey to get some peace of mind on a retirement journey that could last 30 plus years. The Rooted Wealth Analysis covers lifestyle planning, growth planning, protection planning, tax planning, health care planning, gift and legacy planning, and a is so easy to get started. If you're worried about your retirement and whether or not it can sustain your quality of life for 30 plus years, I highly encourage you to go to madronafinancial.com and click on the get started button. And you'll be connected with an advisor. You'll spend about 15 minutes. You will not be sold anything. And at any time you want to end the conversation, you can say no. But I think it is probably one of the best time investments that you'll make all year. Again, very simple, madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button for your rooted wealth analysis. Before we get back to the program, Brian, another little fun fact for you. There is a website, and I went on this the other day. It was absolutely fascinating. that tracks the world population in real time as of twenty. 2021, the overall human population is estimated to be more than 7.8. Billion people. That's billion with a B. And if you want to click on this to watch this, uh, and you want to see, you know, the deaths and the births occur there, you can tune into World Population Clock. Simply Google World Population Clock, which allows the upticks and the downticks as babies are born, and people die. You can also see the current population of different countries. And Brian, the United States really is by far not the country that has the largest population, is it?
2: No, it's not even close. China is right now, but. Uh, India is going to be, I don't know how many years from now, but they will be number one.
1: And because of the population, Brian, do you think that we should be paying more attention to countries like China and India as uh, world powers and maybe affecting the finances in this country?
2: Oh, all the time. Uh, it's, you know, the the financial landscape of the world is ever changing. There's always changes. There's always changes to tax code. There are always changes to international investing trends, uh, opportunities and so forth. But staying on top of that and having an eye on that is so critical, I think, over, over your lifetime as an investor.
1: So once again, if you're curious about the population, you want to see the upticks and the downticks, simply Google world population clock. I think you'll find that very interesting. Brian, let's get back to our conversation about diversification. And, you know, you talked about how people are really not as diversified as they think they are. They're investing in the same sector, just different companies. What is uncorrelated investments and how do you use those for a truly diversified portfolio?
2: Yeah. Some of the things I talked about just here in, in the segment were, investing in things that are not gonna move with the stock or bond market. And real estate is uh, obviously a asset class that may not be correlated. And when I say real estate, I mean certain types of real estate. Uh, It Could be private non-traded real estate investment trusts, it could be Delaware Statutory Trust. They did not move along with the stock market in 2022, whereas the stock market and the bond market kind of moved in unison. And so it's about things that move in unison. Your your own business is not going to, the value of that is not going to move in unison with the stock market, whereas many stocks and many uh, stock funds all are correlated. So for instance, you might look at your, your holdings, you might have 30 different holdings in your brokerage account. And when the market has a bad day, how many of those holdings went up. And how many went down? Well, generally about 30 of them went down on a bad day. And the next day is a good day. 30 of them went up. If they're all going the same direction, you are not correlated. I think that's probably the easiest way to tell. If everything you have is moving the same direction on a good market day or bad market day, you're probably not in an uncorrelated uh, asset class.
1: So stocks and bonds, those are correlated to some extent. What are some examples of uncorrelated investments that if the stock market tanks, if bonds are not doing what they're supposed to be, what are some examples of other correlated investments that can stand on their own?
2: Well, a lot of times... Bonds are considered uh, not correlated stock market, but they were in 2022. Mm-hmm. So they both had a miserable year. And that, that was a problem. Uh, I suppose anyway, we were talking on the show, of course, before that, That and we don't have a coastal ball, but we did know interest rates were at an all-time low. So it was certainly risky to have a heavy bond portfolio. I did want to talk about that for a second, too, about I think somebody listening to this show might go, well, you guys sound pretty conservative to me. You, you talk about asset classes outside of the stock market. And yes, we do. It is possible to be too conservative. So, for instance, if somebody said, uh, gee, I, I don't want to take a lot of risks. So I'm in a conservative portfolio at my brokerage account i say, well, how'd that work out last year? They go, you know, I lost a lot of money. Yeah, I, I'm not sure why. They said it was conservative. I said, well, let me to tell you. And they go, well, yeah, I guess. Uh, probably don't, <laughs> but they say, okay. I said, because conservative, when you're talking to a stock worker that does stocks and bonds, aggressive means mostly stocks. Conservative means mostly bonds. It doesn't mean anything else when you get down to it. Moderate means more stocks than the conservative And growth and then aggressive. That's all it means. It's the the interplay between the stock and the bond market almost invariably. So when you use that term, I'm in a conservative portfolio. I think the person that says that thinks that means if the market does poorly, I won't get hurt very bad. And I say, well, how'd that work out for you? Uh, Not so good. Well, that's because you weren't in a diversified portfolio. You were in a, uh, well, we'll define it as conservative, meaning you just had a a bond-heavy portfolio. And that's probably not what you thought. So even conservative stocks, I mean, they went down in value, too, if if you think about. I'm not in tech stocks. I'm in everything else. Well, everything else went down, too, pretty much. So that's a tough world to be in if you're just trying to get your risk and your cash flow uh, lowered by doing stocks and bonds. I, I don't think it works. I never thought it really works that well. So uh, that whole 60-40-40-60 split thing just, to me, isn't a great strategy. It's it's a start. It's kind of investing mm-hmm. 101, I guess. But uh, my my clients expect more. So those asset classes I mentioned, uh, whether it's your business, your real estate, passive active real estate, Delaware Hedgehog Trust, uh, having annuities as the risk-off part of your portfolio so you don't have to turn to bonds, so it truly can conservative portfolio would have more fixed index annuities or fixed annuities in it uh, because they, they have a floor of zero. That sounds conservative to me. So if, if the market gets gets hammered, I don't lose any money, and if it's good, I make some, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that sounds conservative to me. Yeah, that, that would be the definition of conservative, not load up on bonds. So that's, uh, I think you can be too conservative, meaning the word conservative is poorly defined when it comes from a stock market portfolio.
1: And Brian, when you talk about uncorrelated investments, I think most financial planners certainly, have, they can you know work with you with stocks and bonds. They can probably do annuities as well. But at Madrona, I mean, you've got a, a huge financial toolbox that you can choose from. Some of the other tools I mean, how many types of investments would be in an uncorrelated portfolio? You mentioned sometimes that people may have thirty investments. Is that really typical?
2: Well, it's not the number of investments; it's where they're at, what what asset classes they're in. Right. So, as I was mentioning, you know, different different things. Some of them have correlation to one another. Some of them don't. But it's about having that right mix of those kinds. So I could have 100 different mutual funds in my portfolio and say, I'm definitely conservative. I've got the Vanguard 500, the Fidelity 500, the Schwab 1000, the, the Total Market Index. Uh, you know, Well, they're all buying the same stuff. <laughs> so I don't care how many of them you have. You, you could have just bought one. Just buy the, the Total Market Index. There you go. Uh, you have Stock Market, and it's mostly large cap, mega cap, uh, technology shares. Uh, they're all the same and not say that's bad in a good year. That's really good. But does that, fit with your objectives. Is your objective just to watch, just to be in the market? That's fine if that's what it is. Most of my clients, though, that are pre-retirement or post-retirement, that is not their only objective. And as I mentioned earlier, their objective changes, their primary objective, I should say, changes to cash flow security over potential growth. Uh, Still want to have those stocks in the portfolio, but maybe instead of having 100%, it might be 30, 40, 50 now.
1: We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrid Financial and CPAs. We're talking about true diversification in your financial portfolio
2: designing. Brian, when do you talk about true diversification? Uh, generally last, you know, because uh, what's interesting that I understand that a lot of advisors in your first meeting, they're talking about what they're going to put your money into. And like, well, do you have do you even remember my name yet? Or know <laughs> what I anything about me? I, you're already selling me an annuity. I, I'm not sure why. I, I didn't say anything about myself yet. Well, that's what I sell, you know. Yeah. Or stock market. Well, that's what I sell. Or you know, you need a sixty forty stock bond split. Well, why? Why, why is that what, was what your did name you again? what, what did, was you? did you see <laughs> yeah was it what I drove the clothes i 'm wearing was it you know my shoes I, I don't, what i't what what was it that made you come to that conclusion well mm-hmm. it 's kind of what I sell you know sure uh, so it's it 's really last for us we We go through a process uh the seven steps uh, to a successful retirement, and we want to go through each one of those steps, take our time with each one, get it right, get to know you uh, everybody 's different. And I don't mean get to know you. What's your favorite book, or where do you like to vacation? Uh, that's that's not relevant to to what we're talking about. Getting to know you is is kind of where where you're at in the world of finances, or legacy, or charitable giving, or uh, risk, risk and r- return, cash flow needs, lifestyle, how you want to live it, where you want to live. Uh, all these other questions uh, are are important to us to get to know first. Then when we're all done with all of that and. we understand what you have to work with and and where you're at where you want to be we want to plan with future in mind looking backwards and so we want to position you so that no matter what kind of markets we have you're going to be good you're going to be the best we can be given the information we have at the time and we have all the tools to help make that happen so we certainly get to know you first to where the actual investments themselves again is probably one of the last steps of all of this that's kind of the easy part for us yeah once we know you. It's easy. If I don't know you, it's it's virtually impossible for me to know what to put you in.
1: Yeah. So all the pieces of the puzzle tend to fall into place once you get to know someone, and you know, product comes last. There, you talked about the seven steps that you go over in these financial plans. The interviews. Actually, it's a lifestyle plan. Then it's a growth plan for the money and a protection plan. Make sure it's safe. Then comes a tax plan, a healthcare plan, a gift plan, and a legacy plan. Those are the seven steps to a successful. Re- retirement retirement. And incidentally, Brian, we do have this book available for our loyal listeners to the program today. If you would like to get hold of one of these books, How to Confirm Your Retirement is designed to support the quality of life you want for 30 plus years. The seven steps You can get it right now by texting RADIO to 833-673-7373. That's RADIO to 833-673-7373. Do it today. You can download it right away. Or if you'd like a hard copy, again, tell us that. We'll be happy to send you out one of those. And while you're there... Be sure to tell us how you like the program. Maybe you've got a topic suggestion for us or maybe you've got a question. We'd like to hear from you at eight three three six seven three seventy three seventy three, Or you can always email us, plan at madronafinancial.com. That is planned at madronafinancial.com. Brian, we are out of time for this week. I want to thank you for your time. But most of all, I want to thank our loyal listeners here in the Greater Seattle area for joining us every week on the radio. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week with another
0: edition of Growing Your Wealth. or guarantees the avoidance of loss, financial planning is an important tool, that does not guarantee specific outcomes.